Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are here for a special occasion across the Spider-Verse, which I gotta say, after Into the Spider-Verse in 2018, who could have expected that we got this, this masterpiece of a film, which I'm very excited to talk about. We have a panel here. First, the super producer, Jake Christie's in the house. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, people at work were asking how my weekend was. I said fine, but I'm glad they didn't ask follow-ups because if they said, what did you do? The answer was going to be, I saw Spider-Verse twice. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's as good as it gets. We also have a couple of guests with us. First, well, both are returning guests, friends of the show. Firstly, we got our boy Rod in the in the house. You know hey, him, a writer on, yeah, of course, a writer on Game Theory with Bomani Jones and the black guy who tips. Salute to you, Rod. Oh, a pleasure Thank as you. always. And oh, yeah. also, thanks for having me, man. I'm here to, uh, you know, represent. I'm, I'm, thanks for having me back, everybody. I know everybody loves my all NBA Marvel selection, so it's good to be back on here. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we also have a friend of the show, Hunter Radisi. He's out here in these internet journalist streets for the nerd stuff. Hunter, how you doing, man? I am doing great and very happy to be here. N- Listen, let's just start right off the bat, because there is a lot of different ways that I can go with this, but we'll just start with theater experiences first. Um, obviously, there's, there was I'm guessing there was a lot of energy in, in the crowd when seeing uh, something like this. So tremendous. Uh, Hunter, I'll start with you. You saw this before anybody did. Uh, anybody in here did. What did you think? What was your, your feel as you were watching it with everybody? Uh, well, I mean... So to expand upon that, I saw I was lucky enough to attend a press screening uh, like a week ish, a week and a half ago, somewhere in there. Um, And so I I got to see it with a bunch of press people who I I think were all very equally excited to be sitting in that room about to see that movie. Uh, And and that was infectious. Like I, I walked into the theater. Uh, I got there, I was kind of cutting it close, so it was already filled with people, and people were just buzzing. Like, I've been to a lot of press screenings where you go in, and it's kind of just quiet, and everyone's just waiting for the movie to start, and everyone was just throwing theories around, and and they were making jokes and referencing the first movie, and it was just this great atmosphere off the bat. Um, And then, you know, throughout the whole movie, I've just, I've never heard, even a a press crowd just be so reactive. Like, normally I, I go to a press screening, and people are taking notes, and they're being really analytical, and there'll be reactions, but you can tell you're at a press screening, and then you go to opening weekend and that's where you go for the fan service and like the, the reactions and the big cheers and claps and laughs. Um, and that's usually why I go twice, but I kind of got both out of one screening and I, I was just thrilled with that. It was, it was a really fun crowd to be with. Everyone had a really good time. Uh, we all knew what was going on. There's a, a, you know, a couple things that happened in the movie that made me so excited. I, I think I, I hit the person I was sitting next to Rachel, who's been on the show, Rachel Leishman. Um, uh, yeah, I popped out of my seat once or twice and I, I wasn't the only one. So it, it was a good time all around. Awesome. Rod, how about you? How was your theater experience? Um, so my wife and I are big nerds. We go, um, Thursday to see movies. And recently for some reason they've been making, it used to be like Thursday at four thirty, like in the pandemic, you could go see movies early. Like it's no more seven o'clock Thursday. Boom. So we go in the afternoon, like she gets off work a little early. We we head over. Except this one was at 340. So we were like, oh man, no one's gonna be there. You know, it's gonna be dead. That's just a bad time, but let's go see it early as possible so we don't get spoiled on Twitter. Um, 
and we went it was probably about three-fourths full at 340 on a thursday Mm. and everyone was like cheering get the easter eggs and the references had people like oh and all that stuff and i'm not even gonna lie i'm 100 percent sure me and my wife were the loudest people in there and that's <laughs> not denigrating anyone else i a little embarrassed i try not to be like that guy during the movies but this is one of those rare times where the movie was so good i just kind of lost my ability to be like a, an adult for a little bit i was like oh my god oh you know so it, it was it was a great experience for me and her and hopefully the other people we, we couldn't hear them over ourselves but hopefully they were they were as excited or they just went home and said man those two nerds sitting in the front man was, what's wrong with those guys that's that's great man and, and, and jake how about you so the first time i went uh i usually try to go on thursday nights but i was had some stuff i had to do on thursday so i'm like okay I'll just play it safe on Twitter, you know, don't really, just check the following tab, because I don't really follow people who spoil stuff, because, you know, I don't follow jerks, um, and so I saw on Friday, uh, at my local feeder, you know, I'm basically doing press for Regal Unlimited these days, but got a great seat, <laughs> my my favorite seat in the RPX theater, which is the, the first seat before, like, the railing with the handicap row in front of it, so you don't have anyone in front of you, but you're also not all the way in the back, good stuff. Uh, theater was going nuts. I was going nuts. Um, really enjoyed it. I was floating and like, I bought my ticket to see it again the next day, uh, on my walk home. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm just, you know, don't need to get home before I do that. And that theater, which was a non RPX showing, it's just like a regular showing. There were three seats left for four 30 on Saturday on Friday night. So like it was that intense. And so I sat next to these two teenagers or young teenagers, probably 13, and you know what? These kids sucked. I don't blame them. They're 13. They all do. But like, they kept like whispering <laughs> theories of what was going to happen next. And I'm like, my dumbass has seen the movie before. I'm just, I want to be like, no, you're wrong. No, he's not in Gwen's dimension. Shut up. Um, but uh, long story short, that they were going crazy. They were getting all the references. They were talking about how they have these skins in Fortnite or whatever. And so the thing about it both times, it was like a really like, emotional experience together. It was... Oh, it, it was... I'm glad I got to see it first and foremost without the annoying kids, but I do think that it was when they weren't being annoying, when they were being positive, reactive, that was what it is for. Like these kids clearly had spent a lot of time thinking about this movie. So I'm at theories and like, it was nice to see them respond to stuff, especially it was exciting too, because I knew it was coming. And so like, I know what they're about to respond to, but it was just a great theater experience all around. Um, and yeah, I, I want I honestly want to see it again at some point um, in a theater because it's also such a visually stunning movie. Like my TV can't do it justice. I too also sat with an annoying kid who would not shut the fuck up. It I gotta <laughs> say. Um, so I went with my wife yesterday, and we went to a Regal Sheep's Head Bay, and packed crowd. Everybody's in. Everybody's in an energy. Actually. The kid that I was sitting next to, ironically, he had friends that were with him who did not buy tickets. They snuck in. And then uh, a couple came in and got them up, got them up out of there. So because obviously, you know, with the paid seats. You can't be doing that like in the that. days of reserved seats. That's uh, can't be, you can't do that anymore. I, honestly, like I, as, I, I was, as, I, as I was telling my wife, I was like, yo, I don't know what's wrong with these people. But, but nonetheless, the same dude who I was uh, sitting next to, who's next to myself and my wife, would not shut up. 
Um, I think there was I think there was a point where we were getting towards oh where where Miles doesn't realize that he's on Earth forty two, and and the 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 dude next to me goes, bro, that's not your Earth, and I'm and I go to him, bro, shut the hell up. It's like yo, <laughs> yep. like what, yep. like like yo, come on, man, and so. But besides that, I, I apologize. I brought up the negative no, people. I, I want... <laughs> no, because I was le- I was legit I was legitimately legitimately annoyed. So I'm venting here a little bit. And, but um, the energy in the crowd otherwise was great, and I think it's easy to have that when basically off the rip you're getting your senses overloaded with these beautiful visuals mm-hmm. and honestly a beautiful story which allows me to jump into, I want to hear everybody's general thoughts on this movie because, listen, I feel like uh, I'm not saying, I'm not really going out on a limb and saying that this was an awesome movie, but I do want to hear everybody's perspective on it. So, uh, Jake, I'll start with you. General thoughts on the movie. How did you feel about it? What? Mm-hmm. Uh, just give me everything you got. I think that it's such a great version of the multiverse story we've been getting a ton of. Uh, you, me, and Hunter went to an advanced reading of The Flash. That involves different versions and stuff, and it's obviously less successful. Um, we'll be talking about that later. That's not a spoiler. Um, no, sh- no shit, The Flash movie is worse than Across the Spider-Verse. But um, <laughs> the thing I think that this movie benefits from really well, and I think is why I personally liked it more than the original. Not, I mean, the original is a five-star movie too, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that it really benefits from in comparison to other multiverse stories is that the versions are much more different than they are in other multiverse stories, if that makes sense. Like, especially in this one where there's only one Peter Parker, really, that we ever meet. There's all the different characters. And so it used the multiverse story not to be like... Usually the multiverse story is used to tell like what would happen if you made a different choice. But the way that it's done in this scenario is like, what happened if you're in a different world? Like, if it's... If the outside events also came in. And that seems like an obvious distinction. But I think that there is like, it's not like he's interacting. We don't see another Miles Morales until the end. And that's also a very different world. Because like, it's not, it's not like the only difference is that Miles Morales is the prowler. And so I think that it was able to avoid some of the things that have kind of gotten tropey in multiverse stories. Because it's such a common thing now. Where like, they all kind of have the theme of choice. But this, it's it has that theme in some ways. But it's not about that. It's not about the ripples and stuff. It's about what how you react to the world around you. And I think the thing, my thesis of the movie, why I loved it, because it explores a theme that I think is, I think superhero movies need to reckon with is, and we can discuss this later, but my big takeaway Mm. is on top of other things about, you know, growing up, this out of the other, I think it was a really movie questioning why we need our heroes to be miserable. Why do we need them to have so much tragedy? Why Miles Morales is already saving people. He's already doing all the good things. Why, does this council of spider people and the audience need him to have experience more? Because I think that's the thing about Spider-Man generally. Like I, I remember we were talking about this when we did the amazing Spider-Man two on Patreon, which you can sign up for. I was like, Peter Parker already lost both of his parents. He lost his uncle. Why in order to give him more character development does his girlfriend need to die? Like that's more tragedy than most people experience in their whole life. Why do we need these characters to experience that? And I really like that kind of took that head on. It's like Miles is already a good Spider-Man. Like why is it canon for our heroes to have to go through that? And this is the first super movie I've ever seen interrogate that. And I'm because it is kind of like, especially with Spider-Man, it's like every single person he knows dies. Like, do we why do we need that as the audience? Because it's not like it comes out of nowhere. It's because the audience needs that to sympathize with them. But why is that? Why can't we just sympathize with a guy 
who kind of has regular everyday problems. I thought that was a really profound thing that I've never seen in these movies before. And while I respond to a lot of other things in it, that was the thing that both times I watched it, I'm like, this theme is something that I love because I think that there's just so much we romanticize pain and trauma so much. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but like, no, you can be a good person, do good things without it. And I like that they question it. Special. So it's, that's a special theme that we will definitely hit on a lot. Rod, how about you? General thoughts on the film? I thought it was beautiful, visually stunning, obviously. I love the mixed mediums. It, The mixed mediums felt like the message. You know, the way Hobie is animated versus, like, other characters immediately sends a message before he even says a word. You know, um, the amount of Easter eggs and stuff was almost overwhelming. I, I don't even... <laughs> You know, God bless the YouTube people that are going to figure that one out, you know. <laughs> um, but um, to me, the biggest thing kind of came down to the same thing for Jake, but it's just what is canon and why do we need things to be canon? Um, I think especially as like a black nerd that grew up loving comics, uh, and I know I'm a sort of in a unique position in that I love the variants of things. I I, I love when there's like, oh, there's a video game based off of this. Now there's a movie. Oh, now there's a TV show. I love that. I, and I don't want any of them to be the same. Like, uh, you know, uh, this often gets me on the outs with like Star Wars fans and stuff. It's like I that kind of stuff is what makes me attracted to, to lore. It's like, oh, I'm going to see something new now. And with the Spider Society and Miguel kind of playing the on the meta level, the you know that that fan who's like this doesn't count and it has to be this way or it's not mm-hmm. it's not the same for every you know i love that you know because I'm, I'm a big fan of miles in the comics too i love that he's he's the spider-man who doesn't have the same exact trauma as peter like uh I, and he experienced trauma in the first film with his uncle dying like why why does every film after this just mean another person we've grown to love has to die in this young kid's life you know um and also the other thing i love too that i thought was just so avant-garde was them using gwen stacy as the vehicle to center the story around um it was man like as a writer i'm just like you guys really took a chance because that first it's not short it's like the beginning of up it's about 15 20 minutes before we see miles and i'm like uh what 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 exactly happened uh because in the trailer I thought we saw a lot of miles and and I'm like the people, you know, it's going to be divisive on social media and it, but they did it so beautifully mm-hmm. and so smooth. And then it brings it around to the end where it's just like, all of this is the Gwen Stacy pitch to get you to come help save miles is just like mind blowing stuff. I, yeah, I, I loved it so much. It just made me, it made me remember why I just love stories. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, Hunter, how about you, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna probably touch on some of the same things, but maybe in my my own words. I I think from the beginning, like I'm glad that you brought up the the Gwen thing because I think that was maybe the most perfect opening to the movie they could have had for a million different reasons, and and that's partly because I I think that it is what the whole movie is trying to say in in one sequence. Um, I mean, visually, 
it's going to be said a million times, like just stunning. The whole, uh, first of all, I love Renaissance Italian Vulture. He's amazing. Um, but like <laughs> yeah. the comedy there, like that whole fight scene, the way they frame it, like Gwen doing acrobatics and then Jessica Drew coming in on her motorcycle. Like you have all of these incredible, amazing, creative Spider-Man visuals that you've always wanted to see in a movie. And now you're getting to see it in a movie somehow even better than the first one off the bat. Um, but really the, the center of it and what's gripping you and pulling you in is this plot between Gwen and her dad, which, you know, later in the movie translates to like Miles and, and his parents. And, and this movie has a little bit bigger focus on his mom than the first one did, which I, I also really liked. Um, and I, I like that that is kind of what's keeping you there. As cool as all of the action is, what's really keeping you in this story are these characters' relationships to other people. And at the end of the day, these are movies that are, are, trying to interrogate like what it is to be spider-man which i think is partly why they're so successful i'm not sure that every superhero movie wants to dive so deeply into why its characters are the way that they are um and there's all these amazing like arrestingly like gorgeous quiet moments and it's this big big bold incredible film that is just begging you to cherish its its smallest moments between everything else it wants you to see that and feel that even though it's this spectacle um because when you see that and you feel that then you understand why these characters are doing what they're doing and, and what they love and the people that they love because at the end of the day that's what it is and i love that this movie portrays that so vividly and so so vibrantly and i think that you just it's special you don't see that as often i think a lot of, it comes up in a lot of scenes i you have miles and gwen um you know sitting shoulder to shoulder uh on the williamsburg bank you see another one i like is when they're um with spider-man india and his universe and you know there's that moment where gwen is like miles don't do it don't do it but he knows that he has to because that's what spider-man is it's not suffering it's taking a chance to save someone when you know you can because you have to because you know that even if you don't love them someone else does and that's why it's important and i just the fact this movie dives headfirst into that and just relishes in it and wants you to feel it with your whole chest is just gorgeous and i that's that's why i love it you know what it is hunter it's a leap of faith it's a leap of faith it is it is a leap of faith I, it's funny thinking about this because I go to how technically sound this movie is first before anything else. I think you guys mentioned in terms of not only visuals, the, the, the way that Gwen, as you see her at the beginning, you can tell she's depressed and the colors allude to that. You don't even need to you don't even need to see her face. It's the colors that allude to that, that tell the story that I just find so also wonderfully well done and yes the story choice of starting with Gwen was an important one adds perspective and adds just something a little bit different I think the weaving in of the previous film in a lot of different ways like I went on uh, new rock stars yesterday uh, after I saw the movie just to see what you know what I may have missed or missed and I'm like Oh my god, goodness. Like everything from Into the Spider-Verse is like they totally weaved in so many things in connection that you would you know because you remember seeing the first movie, but you don't really know, but then it's like, "Oh, this all clicks in." So just from a technical standpoint, just the technical marvel, all the animation stuff. But the thing that always gets me with these movies when they're good is the storytelling. And I think the idea of of Miles's mom 
giving him that speech and talking about the wherever you go, no matter where it is, make sure that you always know that you belong. And the fact that it plays into how he is when they get to the Spider Society and he's talking to Miguel and Miguel's a very intimidating type of character and the way that Miles stands up to him based off of what his mom told him, I think was just very emotionally gratifying. And I think it's kind of what embodies the difference of who Miles Morales is. I mean, for I mean, for God's sake, I named my kid Miles based off of Miles Morales. So I coming into this, there was just going to be a level of excitement and a level of intrigue for me. But the fact that they emotionally delivered on it tenfold. And really Miguel, in this in this yes. movie, Miguel is a literal gatekeeper. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what he exists to be is you don't belong. You you're not one of us. Is the whole thing, and yeah, you bringing it home with the mom's words, uh, Rio's words being like, "I just want to make sure that everywhere you go, you belong." Is yeah, that's man, that's that's clutch. I cried so hard during that scene. I think that's the scene I cried the hardest for the whole. It's like I love my parents, you know, and like I don't live near them, so obviously, like I I miss them from time to time, and uh, yeah, I just I have just seeing that in a Spider-Man movie as opposed to like they're all dying is, is so beautiful. And to see it play mm-hmm. at, play so well, it's just, it's nice. Yeah. And I think the, and I think overall, like the, the, the questioning as Jake alluded to with why does it have to be this way? And when Miles says, I'm going to do it my way, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it my own thing is what he says. And I think the character itself, you kind of see, you see this growth, even as he's still he's still very young. But you see this growth in him and the way that he shows it, not only throughout the movie, but specifically even as he gets stuck in Earth 42. It's just I I have to say this. I haven't I can't remember. Spider-Man No Way Home was special in its own way because I think of just the history of the canon from the 20 years of Spider-Man movies. This filled my heart in such a way that was so different, mainly because I guess it's just, uh, the you know, the likeness of seeing Miles, mm-hmm. a Afro-Latino like myself, and just the family stuff and all of that combined. But then also, a lot of the stuff that you guys said about the idea of getting to a point as a hero where you begin to question, especially when some all-knowing, all-being, all-seeing person leads says, nah, this is this can only happen one way. And Miles is, why? Why does it have to happen this way? And I think just being able to tackle that question, like Jake said, is just, it's very powerful. It's more powerful than probably most if not all superhero films. That's why, like, it was so interesting to me before seeing this movie, the reactions, because people are calling this the best comic book movie of all time. People are calling this the best Spider-Man movie of all time. And I was like, damn, I wonder why they're thinking that. (laughs) And then I see this movie and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can see why you could have that opinion because it it takes like what Rod said as far as to have the guts to go there. 
because it's not an easy choice to make. Using Miguel as the kind of avatar for a, uh, for a right wing Twitter, <laughs> saying that uh, Miles Morales is like you're an anomaly, you're not real, like you're not something that this shouldn't be you. You shouldn't be Spider Man, like all that stuff. Using him as that was so clever because it's just you have this. Not only is Miguel this physical kind of like. Yeah, he's just like he's really strong, and he's and he's after Miles during the chase and whatever, and you you kind of feel a fear for Miles. You're worried about him and stuff like that. But also, it's the mental. Mm-hmm. It's the way that he talks about him, mm-hmm. and it's also the way that everybody also betrays him as well. And I think, including Gwen, including Peter B. But go ahead. Well, so I, I think it's not just. I think that he obviously is commenting on gatekeepers who want to gatekeep what characters can be. But I also think, in a real world standpoint, I think that there's a way that people who go through hardship. In order to make sense of that hardship, put it as part of their success narrative. It reminds me of people like who are like, you know, my parents' age who are like, I had to work three jobs for myself through college, therefore that you should have to too. It's like, well, what if I don't have to though? You know what I mean? Like why? And I think that so many people can't make sense of the trauma, like especially with the amount of trauma that Miguel and the other Spider-Man have had. It must be comforting to be like, you know what? I had all that trauma, but it had to happen. It's like, well, did all of it have to happen? And just because it had to happen to you, does it have to happen to other people? I think that it is, it's clear that, I mean, Miguel, we don't know how long he's been running the society, but at least for a while to get all these people in. And you know what he's doing when we see him? He's still watching videos of him and his daughter. Like, like, think about it. He's still deep in that. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, he like, he can talk about the canon all he wants. The reason he doesn't want Miles, the reason he resents Miles is because Miles doesn't have the tragedy happen to him. He's like, it's one of those things where villains, listen to vil- how the way villains act, not what they say. He's saying right. he wants to protect the canon, and I'm sure that's part of it. But it's mostly that he resents Miles for not having bad things happen yeah, to him. And Miles has had some tragic happen to him. Yeah. He lost his uncle. And also, right. Miguel is very much like, I paid off my student loans. Mm-hmm. So I don't see why you get to get yours forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I'm not even sure I have much more to add. I just like, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I really do think he's kind of just like projecting on, onto miles and he is not feeling the situation. <laughs> it is, it, it is, it is truly so fascinating to really dive into that. And I think the best part about it is it's not over. There's another mm-hmm. part to this, to explore this even more as we get to that conclusion. But as we go and talk about the movie, Let's let's just do a little Easter egg hunting, not in the traditional way where we're just like with a fine tooth comb going you, through. You say everything. we as if it's I, not just you who usually does that. No, but well, <laughs> true. That's a fair. Well, that's a fair point. But what I want to do here is I want if if anybody has a favorite, mm. uh, a, a favorite moment I where got, they see like oh Peter let, Park car let, let or something like that. What was it's, that you said, Rod? It's got to be Donald Glover. Yeah, it's gotta be that, down. That was yeah. that was so that was so yeah. fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. It was like the forgotten character from it. I feel like it was like five of us that remember him from mm-hmm. like the first homecoming and was like, man, they, they gotta yeah. do something with that, man. That was like a I want live action miles around. And it made me so excited that they hadn't dropped that. You know, that somewhere in the Sony or Marvel, somebody was like, don't drop that. That is a mm-hmm. big thing. And it gave me hope we might even get like live action miles at some point. Uh, and it was mm-hmm. just so fucking cool. That's my favorite Easter egg. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, bet. Bet. Hunter, how about you? Yeah, I gotta I gotta agree. I think I was one of the five people who remembered that and th- thought about it all the time. I'm also Wait, just so like... A if, it's, if it's five people, <laughs> who is the one person who's not currently on the pod? Because it's we're four of us here. <laughs> whoever, whoever put him in the movie. Yeah, that's true. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> Donald that's Glover who. is the fifth. Donald Glover is the fifth one. <laughs> yeah. He yes. No, I uh that's when I hit Rachel actually cuz I I was is so ecstatic. And I recently as like a couple weeks ago, I think I was tweeting about how like ups, not upset but just disappointed I was that that seemed to be like a one-off thing that they might mm-hmm. never get back to, which I know with the MCU and like the Incredible Hulk situation yeah. like never say forgotten, but it's mm-hmm. just I, Donald Glover is so big and busy and popular now. Mm-hmm. It's just like I I wasn't sure um but yeah, that that one was really exciting, and I'm also a fan of really obscure Spider-Man villains, which I feel like this this pod knows. Um, mm. But I loved. Okay, so the moment when they first show uh, Insomniac Spider-Man PS4, mm-hmm. yeah. I actually didn't notice that it was him, and that that's why everyone else was getting excited mm. because the screen he was looking at is a picture of Video Man from Spider-Man yeah, and His right. Amazing Friends. And I, I freaked out and was like, Video Man! And then I was like, is everyone else this excited about Video Man? And then I realized that it was Insomniac Peter <laughs> That's great. looking at the screen. And I was like, oh, no, that makes so much more sense. That tracks way harder. But I was really excited about that, too. Um, yeah, someone mentioned that, like, Big Wheel might have been... Like, I'm excited to rewatch it because I know they put a bunch of, like, D-list Spider-Man villains in there as well. And I'm, I'm excited. Like, even Armadillo being in it, I was hype. Mm-hmm. Armadillo? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, would Jake, do you have I anything mean, to add on Donald yeah, Glover or anything I'm additional? What I, the one of my favorite Easter egg would be would probably something not Spider-Man related, unfortunately, just because I, as the non-comics person, don't have the same background. I mean, the thing I love is tracking the ways that the universes are different. My favorite one, the original, is how the Chance the Rapper poster he has a four on his hat, which is I think that in this one, like there's yeah, there's a couple in that that I really enjoyed, and then this is not really an Easter egg, but genuinely. I think it is a beautiful thing that the num- the number two movie opening of the year, the biggest movie in the world in the month of June, has a prominently displayed protect protect trans kids uh, poster yeah. on Gwen's yeah. wall. That is uh, really beautiful. I I, I noticed that in, as, apparently it was in the trailer. People were, were already talking about it, but um, yeah, I think that that was just really nice. Um, and yeah, that was that was the one thing I noticed uh, that both times. Yeah, right, right off the right. Yeah, and they did that right off the bat. That was cool. That was definitely cool. Um, I'm trying to think. I thought Peter Parked Car yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Lego Lego Spider Man was. <laughs> did you tremendous. hear about that? Yeah, Hunter Go, Hunter Go. Did you hear about the background of this, AC? Wait, what's oh, that? Did you hear wait, about the I wasn't... background. Oh, do you know about who animated that Lego scene? Oh yeah, the 14 year old. A 14 year old did that scene. A 14 year old animated the Lego scene. The kid who did the Lego, like the Lego version of the trailer that everyone was excited about, he worked on the movie and he animated that sequence, like the Lego sequence. (laughs) Isn't that insane? Wow. That is insane. I wish I remembered his name off the top of my head. I don't. It's like maybe Preston something. I also, what first was revealed in that too is this is not even an Easter egg, and I tweeted about this. I just love that there there are. in this movie alone, like, 20 different actors that play Spider-Man. There were other actors that play Spider-Man in every... But we've decided as a culture, since the year 2000, every version of J. Jonah Jameson is J.K. Simmons. <laughs> every yeah. single one. Yes. No one else ever... And you, know, and you know the thing is? That is the correct decision. I don't give Nailed a fuck. It. The multiverse series only extends to people who are not J. Jonah Jameson. He is always J.K. Simmons. He always. And that's- I remember at the end of that second uh, Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. uh, with Tom Holland... When he came on the screen, the entire audience was so excited. Like, 
no one cared that it was like, well, isn't this the one from all of us? Like, that was right. (laughs) Somehow you knew. Well, you don't care how you knew. Thank you. Because I remember Mark Webb, when he was doing the Andrew Garfield ones, was asked by J. Jonah Jameson. And he basically was like, I don't know if we should do it because J.K. Simmons. Like, people were like, we can redo Spider-Man, but we can't redo J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yeah, and they when we were in line yeah. for The Flash, um, I told Jake and AC that there was, like, a recurring voice, like, gag, like, semi-gag that I just enjoyed throughout the film. And that's that was it. it was I, I just kept picking up on that it was J.K. Simmons in every single universe, and that yes. made me so happy. <laughs> No, well, the well deserved. Um, I think f- there there's a there's a bunch of things for me, but I think seeing some of the animated Spider Man, mm-hmm. Spider Man Unlimited, which is a deep cut Yo. for folks in the nineties, high evolutionary um, fans out there. Yo, Ben Ben yeah. Riley, <laughs> Ben Riley, uh, Andy Samberg. I saw someone on Twitter, and I want to hear you guys' response to this. Say so that that character was disrespected in the movie. Um, it's like they just use him as a punchline, making fun of how gritty the '90s were, and I'm like, that is true, but like, I mean, we really don't like a, have the time. We didn't have the time to dedicate to like a, a Ben Riley storyline, but at this point, he kind of is a punchline. It's one of the yeah. like storylines as can I say what well, well like. Yeah, my take on that is that we should mock it because so much of the 90s was just America after the Cold War being like, what do we do with ourselves? Let's make up things to be angry about. Like, I feel like that's what it was. (laughs) The origin of that tweet is based in years and years of Ben Riley fans having to endure, like, terrible Ben Riley stories in the comics. And there's like, there is, yeah, there's like a sub, somehow like whenever someone is hired to write a Ben Riley story, they make him like the worst version of, like the most obnoxious version of Peter Parker. And there is like a subculture of big, like Scarlet Spider stands on Twitter who are just out there fighting for their lives. And I'm sure they were so excited that he was going to be in Spider-Verse. They should have expected it because all of the... All of the, like, variant Spider-Men in these movies, and the first one as well, like, they have their nice moments, but they're all kind of caricatures of, like, their comic book versions. It's, it's the idea. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that is someone who has had to, to spend a lot of time defending Ben Riley, or has chosen <laughs> to spend a lot of time yeah. defending Ben Riley. He said has. I don't think yeah. has is the one. No, thing. that's why I, cr- I did correct myself. <laughs> as soon as I said has, I was like, no, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> no. It was very, very funny, and as someone who oh, loves funny. Ben Riley, I was not upset by it at all. So, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was also was like cool. if you're a Ben Riley fan, it should make it's, it's kind of is justice for your whole movement because they're actually acknowledging <laughs> like how shitty the writing's been for him. That was, I don't know, it, it made me chuckle, and it kind of captured the essence. Um, I did want to bring up also very small, but yeah, the uh. Tyrannosaurus Rex Spider-Man was, was yes. ridiculous and also awesome. <laughs> Spider-Cat, Spider-Cowboy with the spider-horse with the mask yep. on. Webslinger and Widow. Yes. Um, also, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize until the credits that Metro Boomin played a Spider-Man. Yep. Yes, yes. Oh, that soundtrack, My by bad, the way. guys. Oop, I guess there that was soundtrack a soundtrack heat. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we got also like uh, for folks, animated folks, Spectacular Spider Man was there too. Woo-hoo! That was cool. That was that was pretty awesome. So like, uh, yeah, those are, they had some. They made sure they covered their bases. I'll, I'll tell you that yeah. much. Um, I I think another, I think another Easter egg that's non Spider Man specific. I think is, I guess the way that when Miguel is explaining the spider canon and the whole multiverse, you see the same way 
that the timeline splinters in Loki Mm -hmm. uh, is viewed on the screen there as well. And obviously there's a little bit of a translation with what happens with uh, spider cannon and how that goes. I think one of the things that comes out, uh, comes out of this as far as because we see videos of the live action, uh, Andrew Garfield Mm -hmm. and Tobey Maguire, we see little flashbacks of them and, Tom Holland Spidey is referenced right at the beginning with the whole uh, Doctor Strange and that that nerdy kid. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, beyond the Spider-Verse, are they going to go for the full Monty? I mean, it's hard to... Th- this movie kind of hard to top, mm-hmm. but like if you do something as if I think, as if they're kind of already alluding to live action in this universe... Mm-hmm. You think they're gonna go a little further and bring in the three, the three old school dudes? I think they might bring in one of the three. I don't think they'll bring in all three because I think that that just will invite comparisons to No Way Home. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that they'll try. I don't know. I think it's notable that they did that, and I think that uh, I think that Tom Holland's probably seeing the box office results and being like, <laughs> oh, maybe want to get in on this. But yeah, I think they open themselves up for it. Um, and yeah, I do want to mention you tweeted about it AC today, but the Earth one nine 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 is opposed to six one six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to mention that. Yeah, salute to Mom Valani. She is right on the ball. I think that with, also with, with, with everything the thing that does scare me is that they'll somehow bring in too much of the Venom universe or Morbius. Let's just stay away from that, Sony. We got enough. Yeah, you know, we got that cute Korean yeah, grocer moment. One we Morbius did. reference, and that's all they need. They made the yeah. one joke about Morbius in this movie, and then move, <laughs> they can move on. I, I see what you're up to, Sony. I know you're trying oh, to sneak them into the MCU. It's not going to happen. <laughs> they, yeah, they're trying their whole MCU that's why, It makes me wonder. Like, you want Vulture back? And that's, that's yeah. what they <laughs> 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 No, it really be making me wonder what they're going to do with Craven and. and and just like the the way that they use these these uh, villains and kind of use these offshoot hey, stories without Spider-Man, you could say what is their strategy currently? It's pretty Craven. Let's be honest. I mean, it... <laughs> silently shaking my head. <laughs> Hashtag washed agenda joke. Take uh... welcome to the family. <laughs> Wonderful stuff, man. Wonderful stuff. Um, there are there are a lot of. Uh, different plot points in this movie that we can go through but before we get back to that there are certain spider characters who are really a part of the main cast in this one and i think one that has warmed everybody's hearts and just somebody that everybody has enjoyed was one spider punk uh voiced by daniel kaluuya in his natural accent finally it's so wonderful (laughs) Let let's let's talk about him because the man wrecking the establishment, yet being a part of the establishment at the same time. It's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, Hunter, I'll start with you. What did you think of not only the character portrayal, but the way that he was drawn? It was just it's just incredible. Oh, it was it was gorgeous, and I I also think he gets maybe the best introduction of a character between like the two movies. Uh, when you hear that guitar riff, he he quite literally sort of just explodes onto the scene, and I think that it was awesome. Uh, I, the energy goes up immediately, and like Jake said, I love that they let him just do the accent. <laughs> it adds it adds such a, a layer to the character because I don't I don't he's not like 
intentionally British in the comics, I don't think. So I that was like a nice a nice little touch. Um, but yeah, his dialogue was also consistently amazing. Um, and just the way he was saying all of it. I, I love the, like, I'm not a role model. I was briefly a runway model. And it's just like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> this guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's talking. I, I, I love just a little touch of him as they're in the facility, and he's taking all of these gadgets, but he's also calling them useless at the same time, and yet he creates his own uh, multiversal dimensional uh, watch. Yeah. It was just a nice, nice touch on that. Uh, a rod. What you have any thoughts oh, on? Man, I love Hobie, man. God, he stole the show. Like uh they like if they start doing spinoffs and stuff he's gonna be one of the top people that everyone wants to see just because one is art the art style and the fact that everything looks like mm-hmm. a newspaper clipping mm-hmm. Two, like the fact that he was like a black punk rocker that's like something we don't really see like i think people think of punk as like white people from britain stuff yeah. you know but um mm-hmm. obviously there's black people in britain and there's black punk rockers you know so like Wait, Rod, did you ever see? Uh, did you ever watch the Netflix animated movie Wendell and Wild? Uh-uh, I haven't seen that. You'd one. really like it's. It's a by the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas, but the entire soundtrack is all black punk, and it's about uh-huh. like a like, punk punk rock girl. I think I just want to. I, it's a movie no one really saw, and it has a whole big soundtrack of nothing but black punk, which is awesome. Okay, it write it really down right now, movie. man. This is like this is the way my nerdness works, though. Is like. Sometimes I'm not even. It's not even on my radar. It's not even a thing. Yeah, and then also, they, see, like, they did the thing that Netflix sometimes does, where they'll just like release it and say, "Tell no one." Yeah, and then like I see like <laughs> a black person do it, and then I'm like, "What is this?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's how it hit me. It was like, "Wait, black people can be punk rock? Of course, black people can be." Why have I never thought that? I'm 45. Of course, that's stupid, right? <laughs> now you gotta go catch up on all the black punk rock that you've been missing out on because you just have assumed this was not a thing um so that was part of it but then two he's low-key like the hero of this movie in that he takes miles like when when he puts his does the palm gesture Mm -hmm. and you're like oh man this guy is such a good egg i like i mess with him and then when he like resigns and goes through the portal out like he's so cool like he was he literally like I, I he was one of my favorite characters yeah. in this movie. Um uh and and I think he's one in one A with Spider-Man India as far as like could have been from a whole different movie. That's how good their their segments were. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more on that that part of it. Jake, anything on uh I just wanna add that a thing I was reading about from one of the animators who did Spider-Punk. I don't fully understand this entirely, but one of the reasons he looks so cool is because basically every different element of him, they animated on a different frame. Basically, the idea is like, you, Hunter, you probably explain this better than me, but like his vest moved one frame off of his body, which moved one frame off of his guitar, like just a bunch of stuff like that, um, which... Yeah, yeah. I think I I don't know if I can explain it necessarily much better, but the the basic idea was like the guitar and his vest could like their rule is they could never be in the same frame at the same time. But then the frames would run so quickly next to each other that like it doesn't look like that, but it gives him this sort of discordant feeling that is in line with his whole like anarchist views. And it like they animate the characters in these ways so that like you're subconsciously picking up on their vibe mm-hmm. as well, which is kind of cool. But yeah. Mm, yeah. Wow. Oh man, man. Uh, so 
<laughs> there is another character. I want to make sure that we don't we don't short shrift this one because I actually mm-hmm. thought uh, Jason Schwartzman's the spot oh, yes. was yeah. Uh, yeah. pretty damn good. Just from the goofy way that he enters the film and mm-hmm. try and robs the bodega with the with the, with the the ATM the ATM machine bit with Miles was hilarious. Um, that was yeah. fun and th- that was a great way to kind of start it. But you kind of see this tortured guy who who turns from the quote unquote villain of the week into mm-hmm. almost like a, what they call a, a fixed event, a canon event, a nexus mm-hmm. event, if you will. Uh, with what apparently he's going to be able to do in the next film, uh, give me spot thought. Uh, Hunter, give me some spot thoughts. Well, what you got on? What you got on the spot? Okay, so let me quickly preface this by saying, uh, you know, earlier I said I love obscure Spider-Man villains, and when mm-hmm. I was younger on a VHS, we had like three different Spider-Man the Animated Series episodes burned onto this mm-hmm. VHS that I just watched on repeat, and one of them was the one episode where the spot is the villain. And I have loved the spot for years since day one. Like I, people will be talking about Spider-Man villains and I would be like, okay, but how about the spot though? And they'd be like, who are you talking about? And I say, fair point, move on. I have a spot pop in my room. Like love this guy. I've written not one, not two, but three different scripts with him as a villain because I think that visually he was so entertaining and had so much potential. And I'm so excited that this movie capitalized on that any way better than I ever could have dreamed of doing. Um, I love his like... I am, you know, you don't take him that seriously at first. And then by the end, he's actually kind of a terrifying threat. Um, I love the way he's animated as this, like, everything is so big, bold, and colorful. And he is the absence of that. And I, I think it's very cool that, uh, you know, that that sequence, especially when it was like, like chalk drawings, where it, it would like inverse yeah. and he was having flashbacks. Like that is just so, so, so cool. And they came up with so many creative uh, uses for his powers. I mean, even just that initial introduction before he knows what he's doing with his abilities is so fun and clever through, uh, you know, like a bodega. Um, but yeah, and I think that Jason Schwartzman did a really, really good job. I, I saw a few people online make jokes about the fact that he was in it, um, including one Michael Springthorpe. But I, you know, I, he's, Jake, he's I saw that wave. What he's happened, perfect. man? Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm just like, I, you know, I, I, that's just, I, I think the thing about it is the thing I liked about casting Jason Schwartzman is that I remember I heard a quote from Jason Schwartzman once of the reason he doesn't do a lot of big budget movies, like big budget action movies, is because the guy that they would cast him to play is the guy who says, but can we weaponize it? Which I like because <laughs> that is basically the guy he plays before he is the spot is that guy. Like yeah. he, like the reason why the casting works is because yeah, on its face he might not be the first person you think of to play a villain, but he is the guy you would pick to play scientist number two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that like, and he's also a talented enough actor where he can make sense of it. And I think that like the way that the the way his animation changed over the movie, and I think at the end, towards the end, his animation straight up just looks like creepy pasta drawings yeah. in the best way. Yeah, um, yeah, like, it just I, was a really great evolution. I like that he's kind of like lurches too, like when he first, like he has kind of a weird body shape they gave him on purpose, mm-hmm. so he kind of like stumbles around, which I think really plays into that parallel he has with Miles of like he is the he's not supposed to have happened, like he's also sort of this underdog guy who no one is taking seriously at first and is trying to prove himself like the way they bounce that off of miles through the whole movie i, I thought was great too that's what i have to say about the spot awesome marad anything yeah, you got on the spot I enjoyed, yeah. him. I enjoyed him as well i love how he got blacker like his suit got blacker with more dark matter as he got like more villainous by the end and like 
he becomes an existential threat in that last like in that last part where you're like, oh my god, he's gonna kill Mal's daddy. <laughs> like, like it's like, <laughs> like, like compared to his intro, where like Miles is mildly annoyed fighting him in a bodega. By the end, you're just like, this is kind of that setup, right? This is the arrogant Spider-Man arc. You, your arrogance loses someone close to you as a repercussion for your actions, and now we're down this canon path of suffering and tragedy. And so I love how the film does hold it over our heads at the end that, hey, this could happen. There's like, we don't know what's happening in this third movie. So I I, I like that about him as a villain. But the other reason he really works as a villain is that Miguel's kind of the villain. Yes. You know, like this movie has multiple yeah. villains. Like um, Prowler Miles feels like a villain. You know, yeah. like there's some threats in this movie that are the more typical, like brawny, menacing threat and then to have this guy who's like the goofball but could possibly be the most like all-powerful threat is such a, a great dynamic and i can't wait to see how they like try to you know get all these parts to collide in the uh in the next movie yeah i actually thought the the overlapping of consciousness between miles and spot was pretty terrifying especially if you're miles seeing that in his mind like oh shoot my dad's about to die in this instance, and you kind of see that fear on his face apparent. But yeah, I, they made the spot by the end of the movie a monstrosity. Um, it and it and it does look does look intimidating. It does look foreboding. I, I think it was a great way that he evolved as Miles did throughout the film. It was just oh, oh boy, yeah. This is like there's so many different ways that that you can go thinking about. Not only this movie in itself, but also the setup for for Beyond the Spider Verse, and so we get to the point where Miles does escape, but the fact that he was bitten by a spider from Earth forty two sends him to Earth forty two, where his dad has already died, his uncle is still alive, and obviously miles never becomes spider-man but he becomes another version of the prowler which is a nice okay, I, little I twist and setup when, rod, i don't know rod you got some stuff watching, on it hit hit me y'all were watching when did you figure it out because i'm not like i was figuring it out as it was happening but i've normally uh way my brain works i'm so and, and you guys are watching a lot of movies i'm yeah. so far ahead of where the fucking movie's gonna be yeah. when i'm like Oh, okay. This guy from the first <laughs> act is gonna be the bad guy. Okay, cool. Let's just wait till we get there. Don't. Dog, I was legit like, 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 right, like a yeah. second before something happened on screen. I'm like, oh god, no. Oh god, no. Like, just every frame, man. How how are y'all during this reveal? I I started to pick up on it that something was off when they kept cutting between Gwen outside the window yeah. and him in the room, but we would never show them in the same frame. Like there's certain, that's just like a thing you pick up with movies where like, in the same way, if you see like an empty door in the frame, you're like, someone's going to come through the door. I'm like, yeah. there's, I'm like, okay, they're not in the same universe. Who's in the wrong universe. And then once obviously his mom said, who's Spider-Man. I'm like, yeah. Oh, actually the no. thing that stood out to me was the hair. When she mentions the right. hair. Yeah. 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 Oh, I didn't even uh, notice the hair. Another good thing, too, though, is on the second viewing, you and I noticed, and I assume, Hunter, you might have picked up on this, too. They show you it. On the screen, when he is yeah, in they do. this, then they do the DNA test, it says Earth 42. 42. It's just very fast, yeah. and why would you look? 
but they show right. you, which I like that. I like that it's not like if you're looking, you'll see it. But of course, you're not looking. You're tied up in the action because everybody was in surprised the color, in the theater when they saw it. So and the color palette is a little bit different from his yeah. Earth too. But I, I didn't pick up on it. It was oh, so good. It's because like you're you're with Miles in that moment. The movie does yeah. such a good job of making you like putting you in Miles' shoes that like you like Miles. You're not looking at the computer screen. You're not looking at like the color palette. You're like you're looking at those emotional connections and the fear before he goes and all this stuff. I think for me, I I as soon as his mom was like, "Who's Spider Man?" I'm like, "Oh, wrong universe." But I started yeah. to pick up that something was wrong during. Uh, when he's like building up to the reveal that he's Spider-Man, yeah. it just something about it felt wrong. Like the music wasn't quite as dramatic as I thought it, like mm-hmm. that was a little off. And I was like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like, again, I've seen a lot of movies and I was like, narratively, it feels like something is a little bit off. Like maybe this isn't when this would happen. Uh, and so I felt like something was going to go wrong. And then right. when he actually revealed that, I was like, oh, huh, nothing interrupted him. That's crazy. And then she was like, who's Spider-Man? I, I kind of put two and two together, but yeah, yeah, the movie does do a good but job of making me, you not see it. For me, it was like each revelation, I was like one second ahead. Mm-hmm. So it was, he's in the wrong place. Like something's off. He's in the wrong universe. His uncle walks through the door. Now I'm like, wait, what the, okay, his uncle's alive. Oh, wait, that means he was like, this is his mentor in this universe. Wait a minute, where's the other Miles? Wait a minute, what happened to his dad? Oh my God, his dad's dead what does this mean for the miles that exist in this universe? Are they about to go do a crime? This is the prowler is his mentor. <laughs> Clearly this, this miles a criminal. This dude is in danger. How's he going to save his dad? Like every single thing. And then like the second I thought it, the, the thing happened that showed like, it's like, where's his dad? His dad's dad. Oh, oh no. Oh God. Wait a minute. His uncle's got to realize he's not the right miles right. then. Right. Wait, where's the real miles? punch in the face real mouse like oh what what's going on in his universe gwen's there is it was such beautiful writing and so well done and i was thrown so off and, and that never happens to me like i cannot explain enough how this literally i'm never like oh my god this movie i'm always like yeah yeah okay so you gotta wrap this up that was so good it yeah it was even when when his mom says he goes, what, well, why did you change your hair? Um, I was just like, huh. So we know that there's something right. off here. So yeah. I'm, so I'm waiting. I was like, I already know he's all right. He's not, he's not in the same earth, but then to, because they show the picture earlier in the movie of braided miles, um, with the spider, uh, with spot, with the spider from earth 42. So it's, it's like, you know, this head. Yeah. So you, to me, I didn't know that was Miles, but two, it proves that Miguel don't know what the fuck he's talking about, because he was like, it was supposed to bite Peter Parker. Clearly, it was going to bite right, that right. Miles yeah, in 42. Yeah. Right, which, you know, it also goes back to what happens with Gwen and her, her father, with the fa- her father resigns, and the universe doesn't collapse. So, yeah. can in doesn't necessarily need Miguel to be don't canon. know what the fuck he's talking about. Nah, he yeah, he's yeah, like like Jake said earlier, <laughs> man was having a lot of resentment for how things uh went <laughs> in his particular situation, but um in terms of uh in terms of a cliffhanger, no, I I think just that was uh, the way to just bring you some tension is when it looks like 
Earth 42 miles is going to socket to regular miles, but miles got the electricity going. Oh, boy. I was just like, oh, you really had to leave it right here? Okay. Oh, oh damn. Oh. <laughs> oh. And then, like, Gwen and the drum solo. Oh, and the yeah. Fucking, like, I found my own band, and they coming to right. save Miles. I'm like, Oh, full circle. She leaves the band at the beginning. She finds three. her band at the end. If they would have <laughs> said part three is playing right now, you have five minutes to use the bathroom, come right back, yeah. I would have come back. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would have missed. I'll say this. The amount of family members, extended family members, whose funerals I would miss is longer than I'm going to admit. <laughs> like, it's just like immediate family, cousins, and aunts and uncles I like. That's it. Right. Second cousins, sorry. I got part three to see. I'll see you beyond the Spider-Verse. <laughs> oh, my God. That's tremendous. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he's not wrong. Gosh. He's not wrong. What, what a movie. So uh, I'll go and get into a couple of quick things as we begin to get close to wrapping up. Firstly, in terms of Spider-Man movies, let's just talk Spider-Man movies. Because I know some people have gone little off the board saying this is the best movie of all time this is the best movie i've ever seen no let's leave that alone for now best mm-hmm. spider-man movies where would you put this one rod i'll start with you where do you put this one among spider-man movies so here's the thing i have a little resentment mm-hmm. towards animation okay only because animation is the only time adults let themselves feel things all the way Right, like it's why we cry at Pixar movies. I don't know. It's like, oh, so you couldn't cry at everything, everyone at once. Oh, it was too. It was too real people. So I have a little bit of a like, y'all overhype stuff because it's animated. And if it was live action, y'all would immediately be like, I don't believe this happened. But at the end of the day, as a comic book reader, this is the most comic book thing of all time. It's. Literally, like you read every single comic book, even down to the art style. And it's the thing that happens in your imagination when you're a person that that absorbs all this content. Even if you don't read comic books, cartoons, uh, TV shows versus movies versus like all these different styles, all of it coming together in one place and it being a place where I can believe a live action Donald Glover (laughs) is talking to a cartoon Miles Morales. That... I th- I think I got to put it at at the top. Okay. Just cuz I it it's the thing that brought even video games. It brought it all together yeah. in a celebration of what Spider-Man has come to mean to all of us. It's literally the embodiment of anyone can put on the mask and mm. that is why he appeals to everyone. Mm. Hunter, how about you? Where where are we putting this? <sighs> yeah, so I think that part of the re- it's definitely top two for me uh, mm-hmm. with this and, and the first one. Uh, I, I specifically love animation, I think, for the exact reason that Rod brought up his slight resentment um, is that like <laughs> I, I love it because when I'm watching these animated movies, uh, especially for stuff like this with these characters, with these subject matters, it feels like animation is the perfect format for this kind of story because it does allow you to feel Spider-Man and, and his world and that comic book universe that he was designed to fit into uh, so well and so purely. So I, I love Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse because I think they're both perfect representations of 
who this character is and what his world can look like. Uh, I think that the first end of the Spider-Verse I've seen like a million bajillion times and I know it inside and out and it has a really special place in my heart. And, you know, the gut instinct when you see a movie this big and, and spectacular and amazing and all the other Spider-Man uh, adjectives, it, it would like across the Spider-Verse is to just like put it up top. But I do want to give it some time and like a handful more viewings before I really solidify it as like a number one or better than into the Spider-Verse. Um, but it's definitely, it's between those two for like the top two spots. So that's, that's where I'd put it. Okay. Okay. And Jake? I mean, I think the answer is one and I, I wouldn't, the, there's been a lot of hay made of my relationship to animation in the, the Patreon discord over the years. Uh, and I think that this movie just achieves like it. Whereas the other ones that I like a lot have either gimmicky, like No Way Home, obviously is gimmicky in some ways, and Spider Man Two has bits that I think are a bit, you know, very mid two thousands. Um, yeah, I, I think that this would be number one. Obviously, I am subject to change. Never hold my ranking for more than uh, the moment I'm saying it, but number one right now. I would like to see this movie a second time. Because similarly, when I saw No Way Home and said this was the best Spider-Man movie that I've ever seen, just based off of the emotion and everything that was done with the canon of the Mm -hmm. movies and the 20-year history, um, there was a specific type of emotion that, in my lifetime, being a fan of this medium and what it's been, made it that. This did that to the same degree, and then some with I would say an even more technically sound movie is and I think as just specifically as a critic because I'm not only thinking about it now as a, from an emotional standpoint as specific, specifically as a critic what problem do you have with this movie there is none um I watched it and I was just like huh 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 waiting to see waiting to see waiting to see everything hit Everything was weaved in perfectly. The heart of the story, the storytelling itself, as we all talked about, the cameos and Easter eggs and the twist at the end of the story, even with the fact that if you even want to make an argument of that, oh, well, they ended it on a cliffhanger. I don't care. This movie's number one. It's number one. It's that (laughs) good. It's that that good. What did the Empire Strikes Back? You know, like exactly. Sometimes I, a lot I of do, people's favorite movies is one. Before I forget, I do want to also make sure we shout out. I think yes. there are two other main characters we didn't shout out. Oh yeah, I think Jessica mm-hmm. Drew, which I feel like yeah. I wanted more from her. I hope they give her more in Beyond. Yeah, because she's that's an interesting true. character. But I feel like she kind of mm-hmm. is. It felt like she was there a lot of times just to be like the functionary or like the person tisk-tisking, and then as the movie went on, Mm -hmm. she was there to be the person who was like, are we sure about that, Miguel? And then I thought that they really used Peter B. Parker really well. Um, Mm -hmm. They used him kind of as a conscience, and like I really thought it was a really beautiful moment when he told Miles that the reason he had a kid is because of him. That uh, that was really poignant, nice, and I think that um, I think as a parent, yeah, for me, that was a beautiful moment, wonderful. Yeah, I think that I like think... above all, these movies are really nice, and I don't mean that in a pejorative. Like, it's movies about people mostly, with specifically with Gwen, Peter B. Parker, and Miles, people who find something in each other that's beautiful and life affirming, and that's nice. I think also on a yeah. on a deeper level, this film is about who counts. And who yeah. gets to count? And the answer in this film is everyone. 
you know um mm -hmm. i think uh in other spider-man films it's it's more about like how do you rise from um tragedy is pretty much every other spider-man film is you know aunt may is gonna die or someone's -so gonna like mm -hmm. how are you gonna come back from this tragedy are you still gonna be able to fight and believe in the right things and not kill people and this is the first time where especially in uh, such a timely message in a time where the surgeon general of the united states is saying that loneliness is killing more people than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day like it's a film about loneliness and connection you know where yeah. miles is feeling like an outcast but also he met this friend group this family group that he's not connected to anymore and now he's longing for them and gwen same thing is longing for someone she's longing to feel something with someone it's like when she falls in with the spider society you feel that it's not necessarily the rules of the spider society she's protecting it's the connection it's yeah. i don't have my father i don't have my family right. um and the only and and the reason she violates those rules because she's also missing the connection to Miles. Like, that was, I think those things are so timely and poignant right now that, you know, I wanted to make sure to give the film credit for that because I, I, I think, especially for kids now where, you know, teenagers are less social than they have ever been. Uh, they're having less sex than they've ever had. <laughs> like, it's like it's a lonely time for 15-year-olds, 17-year-olds in America right now. And so to see like a film kind of take that on the head, I, I think there's going to be so many kids that identify with the struggles of the main characters here. Yes, yes, yes. It's it. No, I mean, it makes me think of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's good to have friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, it's it like low-key, man. They, it's been a pretty good slate of like these kind of comic book movies. Like mm. For in general, like they've been, I, I know everybody was like kind of down on it. And, you know, every time we get like two weeks of the box office not being good, we get the, is, is, do people even like movies anymore? <laughs> every time there's like a underperforming comic book movie, there's no one like, but man, I, I, I mean, I gotta mm. say these movies are kind of growing up with me and with us. Like it's, like it's, I don't feel like I'm lowering the bar. I feel like these, they're, they're getting better in quality and meeting me where i am and it doesn't happen every time but it if we're being honest it never was happening every time so it's it, it feels good when they get it right i mean coming off of guardians i i was like oh my god it's just not gonna get better than that and then boom yeah right after that we're how how are we doing this good job everyone yeah, shout out to 2023. Uh, at least after the start, it felt a little shaky at the start, but we've kind of rebounded and feel like we've gotten some good ones as of late. This is uh, this has been wonderful. The last thing that I, I do want to ask everybody uh, before we wrap up is if there was one thing that you're looking forward to or that you maybe would like to see in Beyond the Spider-Verse, what would that be? Uh, Rod, I'll start with you since you went last. Well, what do you what, what do you think? Um, okay, so what I would like to see, I don't, I have no idea if they're gonna do it, but on the radio in the background, the news was saying that the like Sinister Six existed in this Earth forty two, and we know that the Gwen and the those people are coming to Earth forty two. I'd love to see like some version of the Sinister Six versus Miles and Gwen and those those Spider people, mm -hmm. like as part of this movie i think it'd be a great zag for the next movie because i think most of us are thinking like oh, you gotta save father how's he gonna get back and i think a great like zag 
especially with these movies being this long, is to take 10, 15 minutes or whatever and just live in that world for a little bit and see how does a world without a Spider-Man work and when you introduce like eight Spider-Man, you know? Like I want to see <laughs> the chaos of that. Yeah, that's no, that should be interesting. If so, Hunter, how about you, sir? Uh, I mean, mainly I just want to see more of the heart that's been in the first two, but at this point I'm, I'm pretty sure we will get that. So in terms of everything else, um, I am excited to see what beyond the spider verse means. I think that Mm -hmm. into the spider verse and across the spider verse are both pretty literal titles when you look at what happens in the movies. So I'm wondering like, what, what does beyond mean? Cause I think it's the, the, the least, uh, straightforward of, yeah. of the three titles and d- does that mean we're going to really get into the multiverse and what lies after it does that mean is it more metaphorical and it's like what happens to miles after that i'm mm-hmm. curious to see like what how the plot relates to the title um and then i think the other thing is i i am genuinely really excited to see how the two miles sort of interact and how that relationship develops because you know they're going to get into some emotional stuff with that and i'm yes. probably going to cry again so we'll see I'm yeah, when he said our dad died and he was like, your dad. I was like, oh. <laughs> or something yeah. like yeah. What? <laughs> this, this is a, yeah, it's a little, it's a little different. Uh, uh, Jake, how about you? So Rod stole my first answer. When I say stole, I mean he didn't steal. He said he went first. But uh, <laughs> another thing, I, I, really, I want to see them, I don't even want to see I would just like to see them uh, kind of, I, I want to almost see Miles go into Gwen's world at some point. Just because mm-hmm. I thought that the scene, we didn't really talk about it, but the scene at the end with Gwen and her father, while like some of the stuff with the badge and the mask was a bit eye rolly, I thought that um I think I'm a sucker for is tough dads trying to understand their kids. That thing that always <laughs> yeah. makes you cry. Uh and like the way that he clearly couldn't relate to her, but tried his best. I thought it was really beautiful. And I thought that that like is because we talk about obviously Miles' struggles and stuff like that, but I think that she is like you know a co-lead character she's not obviously the lead but she's she's more than just a supporting character so i i want to have a closure on her arc too i hope that they don't kind of just yada yada that towards the end i'm i trust them completely especially the fact Mm -hmm. that they decided to make this into two movies um but yeah i want to see her arc end because i think that she's a character who um so easily could just be what if spider-man but a girl and she's so much more complicated than that and, like, she's someone who I think is, you know, I think her character being good and nuanced is as vital to the films being good as anything. Um, because, you know, so much of the connections she has with Miles is that they are very much the same. She's not a one-dimensional female character. She is as dimensional as he is. And so, um, yeah, I thought that, I, 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 and I thought that that, that scene probably had some of the best, my favorite images of the movie, where it started to basically become, like, abstract art in the background, where the only mm-hmm. things that were really in any detail were the characters. Mm-hmm. And the background was basically like watercolors, and like that is why is animation a useful genre? Sorry, sorry, animation is not a genre. Why is animation a useful tool? Because mm-hmm. you can show things how they feel, not how they are, and I really, really like that a lot in that scene. Yes, and I think the thing that I will say a couple things. Uh, Hunter mentioned it. The two miles thing is what fascinates fascinates me the most about what we're gonna get next time. Um, their relationship their conversations will be filled with a lot of tension, I'm sure, because of the different happenings and stuff like that. But um, I'm also looking to a resolution with Miles and his dad because they didn't get to really have the conversation um, here 
that Miles and his mom had. And I'm guessing that they're saving that for the third one. And as as we saw earlier, they had a, uh, Miles as, as Spidey talking to his dad and giving him advice on how to deal with himself. I thought was uh, <laughs> was great. Let him spread his wings. I love how um, his voice gets deep every time too. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's great. I I I love that stuff, man. Um, I'm looking forward to those two conversations because I feel like otherwise, I think visually and everything that we've gotten cameo wise and just the information itself, the storytelling of the multiverse has all been done well. So I'm very confident that they'll continue to do that. So it's an, it's as with these uh, storytelling uh, vehicles are, it's always about emotion for me Um, across the spider verse. What can you say? Tremendous film looking forward to beyond the spider verse. I'm sure we'll be continuing to talk about this here and other aspects as we go along but this is where we'll we will leave the conversation for now i want to thank uh our panel for being here uh appreciate our guests uh hunter radici thank you for joining us sir where can we find your work where can we follow you uh you can follow me at hradesi14 on all social medias so that's h r a d e s i and the number 14 um my work's been a little all over the place lately some of it uh guardians 3 review some thoughts on little mermaid that's over at cinelinks um everything else i've been doing some audio visual content coming up and a lot more writing including my review for this movie uh is at the streamer um, it's worth mentioning that on June 12th, we'll be having a little bit of a relaunch. So you'll see a bunch more work from me and my team there um, around then. So so keep an eye out. Love to see it. And also, don't be so modest. I think I saw you with Eric Andre the other day. What was oh, happening yeah, that's, there? That's true. I did do that. Yeah, he uh, had a limited, the sixth season of the Eric Andre show uh, just premiered this past weekend. And in celebration, he had a bit of a pop-up in Soho in, in Manhattan. Um, and I was lucky enough to be among the press who got to go cover that. So I got to go hang out with Eric Andre for like an hour, um, have a little chat, smash up his set with him. And that that was really, really cool. So I'm trying to do fun stuff out here more and more and more lately. So, yeah, follow me. I post I post links um, to everything I do on all my social media. So that's the best place to kind of keep up if anyone is interested. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. And Mr. Rod, my Washed Agenda brother. Yeah. Where can we find your work? Listen, I got a walk. I bought a walk off of YouTube, and I'm so excited for it to get here Saturday. That's how washed I am right now. That's the biggest. Oh, thing I love it. I love. I love it, man. <laughs> I make the cake last week. It's, it's how you get high heat in a regular kitchen. You, 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 you get know, the- that's what we need. That's what we need. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I, I'm seeing some of your food you post on Twitter. I mean, thank you. There's just a magic with that walk. Oh, listen, I'm ready. I'm excited. Eat, pray, um, love, baby. Eat, pray, love. <laughs> um, <laughs> My um yeah, so you can find me the black guy who tips is my podcast. I do it with my wife. We uh do it several times a week. It's just a comedy and pop culture podcast, and it's a gateway to all the other stuff that we do. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Rodimus Prime, and I'm just on there being silly and making jokes uh between observations and and hating on sports figures and stuff. It's it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you brother once again for joining us we will definitely have both of you guys back on jay christie where can we follow you sir you can follow me on twitter at the jay christie this is my other podcast where me and andre Barrera are re-watching the show psych it's called at first psych uh and yeah i mean it's what do you 
at, sorry, sorry, no, it's not called. It's called Love at First Sight. It's at First Sight on Twitter. Love at first sight. Well, uh, there you go. But yeah, you know, it's a good pun. All right. Yes, yes. Wonderful times. Salute to you, Jake, as always, for producing this pod. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. You can do the same thing on Instagram. Uh, we are doing also stuff on the Patreon, patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod, where Jake and I will be soon recording Fast and Furious number four. And as we mm-hmm. get uh, closer to the more fun movies of the franchise mm-hmm. uh, as we go on Patreon. So check that out. We have a Discord. Um, it's wonderful conversations, as always, where we're talking about this movie, obviously, and talking about a lot of different other things there. And make sure you five-star review. Wait, and AC, how, review. Much, how much does it cost? It must cost an arm and a leg to join the Patreon, right? Like $25 a month, right? No? Well, I mean, I mean, it might be a little less. Like, I think you just get $3. and you just $3 and there. you get our entire back catalog and our Discord? Wow. How about that? Yeah, just $3 gets you in, and we have some fun there. Um, I will be bringing back a little something I like to call good beef in the, in, in the, at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So um, that good beef is coming, so look out for that. And uh, yes, rate and review. Five star, five star, five star. So for Rod, for Hunter, and Jake, I'm Anthony Kantz on the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.